Hey, I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. All right, all right, all right. Open in your Bibles with me if you have them with you to Acts chapter 22 to 24. Put your finger there. I'm not really going to pull from that today um, as much as usual, um, but we are in the 10th week of the We Read Acts um, series called Back to the Basics, and this is a fantastic chunk of scripture. There is a lot of storytelling. It's a lot of things of what's going on in this moment and uh, what's happening uh, to Paul and the shifting that's going on in his life at this moment. What's happened is Paul has entered into Jerusalem. He's come back um, and he's meeting with the church leaders. He's ticking off the Jewish people. He's ticking off everybody, actually. Um, he's making himself just a, a pain um, to, to lots of people. And he's articulating his point of view in these different areas in, in such an amazing and beautiful way uh, because he has one focus. His focus is not comfort. His focus is not uh, to get out of trouble. It actually looks like his focus is to get into trouble. Uh, but he keeps, continues to preach. He continues to uh, talk about Jesus. He continues to walk this line of where he's supposed to be going, uh, even though it's taking him into places that are going to cause all kinds of friction. And that's what we find ourselves in 22 to 24. Now that uh, is, it's just a very interesting moment because we see him walk through there. And as I was studying the scripture this week, and as I was reading uh, through these chapters, it struck me how many times people were trying to put an identity on to Paul. It struck me every, every uh, in one section, he is identified as about six or seven different things. The coolest of which is when they want to identify him as an assassin. This assassin from Egypt. Like, what? I, I've read the, the Acts forever, and I never picked up on that. Like, Junior High Jared would have loved this. Like, I would have had Assassin's Creed playing in my head, like imagining Paul as a video game character. But that's not what was going on here. But that's what they're saying. Aren't you this assassin from Egypt? He's like, no. I speak Greek and Hebrew. And he's like, oh, can't be the assassin. I don't know if the guy arresting him thought, I made the bust of a century. Here I go. I got Capone uh, in this, in this uh, arrest of this religious person. What's going on? I don't, I don't know what, what happened there. But they, they think that maybe he's this assassin from Egypt. They think that he is uh, this, uh, the, the, the religious people are going, oh, he's too far off and he's kind of lost um, his Jewishness, and now he's just a Gentile lover. And then the Gentiles are like, oh, wait a minute, he did this, so he's too much of a, a Jewish person, and he's, he's forsaken all of us as who, are, who are Gentiles. And uh, he, it's going back and forth, and he gets arrested, and they're talking about who he is. And he's like, well, yeah, I'm a Jew from a city of Tarsus, and this is who I am. And they beat him a little bit and a lot, and then they start doing corporal punishment to him. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm a Roman citizen who I am as well, and they're like, sorry about beating you. If you could keep that between us, that'd be great, because I'm going to die. Um, and so he's got all these different identities that are being placed on him that people are trying to pin him down, figure out who he is, 
And at the root of it all, he is going, no, no, I'm not a Jew. I am a Jew, but I'm not a Jew. I am a Gentile, but I'm not a Gentile. I am a Roman, but I'm not a Roman. I'm not an assassin. We're going to draw the draw the line there, but I am those things, but I'm not because who I am is a follower of Christ. And his identity comes and boils down into what that looks like. Who am I really? I'm a follower of Christ. And as he pins his other letters later in the Bible, he talks about, and almost most of them start out this, I, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus. That's what he identifies himself. Now, if he's calling some people and saying, hey, kind of beaten dumb. He says, an apostle of Jesus, and I'll say bond servant as well. But he kind of, hey, he throws his credentials out there. But his number one credential always is, I'm Jesus, or I'm Paul, a bond servant of Jesus. This bond servant, uh, it's a slave, but it's more than that. It's someone who has chosen to be a slave for a time. To think about the 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 gravity of that statement. I am choosing to put myself under you at your disposal for this. I'm giving up my rights so that I can be in your house is what he is communicating in that. Now, everybody in the Roman world would have understood this because 50% of the population were slaves at some point. But for us, we hear slavery and we're like, ah, because we have our American baggage along with it. Rightfully so. But to think about that and to put it in our heads to that Paul, what he wants to claim, what he wants everyone to know him as. It's a bondservant, a slave, an indentured, someone who has sold himself to Jesus. Not as a Jew, not as a Greek, not as a Roman, not as a good Pharisee, not as a bad Pharisee, not as all those different things that people put monikers on him. My identity is rooted in Jesus. I think this speaks to who we are and what we're going through in this time period as well. Because <clears throat> Paul is living through a crazy moment in history. There's all kinds of very interesting things going on. Um, you have some of the, uh, this is probably the time in which Caligula is the emperor. If you've watched the History Channel at all, Caligula kind of a weird dude. Um, he's kind of a, just a madman running the Roman Empire. So they've got all this uncertainty, all this craziness going on in the, the most certain thing of all, the Roman Empire. They've got uh, all kinds of just, it's this huge empire that no one really knows how it's working because it's just so much bigger in, in all of history. It's the biggest thing that's ever happened. And so people in identity and figuring out who you are, people in identity and figuring out who you are in the Roman Empire is incredibly important because claiming that you're a Roman citizen, at the end of this, uh, Paul says, uh, the centurion that's arrested him says, I bought my citizenship. And Paul one-ups him, plays a trump card and says, I was born into it. So all the racism that you just showed me, all of how you've beat me, um, kind of need to check yourself. And I just, it's all that identity stuff is, is so interesting because he's got privileges in certain areas. He's got uh, detriments in other areas. But all that stuff doesn't matter because who he is is a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He's got this, all life is going crazy all around them. Not to mention all the stuff with the Roman Empire at the moment, but they're kind of starting a brand new, you know, religion. <laughs> Their, their first generation of spreading the gospel throughout the entire world. 
That's a daunting task, I would think. You can't just write a, a, twi- a tweet about it. You can't just, you, you like, he's starting churches after churches after churches. He's discipling people and developing people all over the place. And then dealing with this internal strife, all of these things. And people want him to be somebody that maybe he's not all the time. Everybody he meets wants something from Paul. They want him to preach. They want him to teach. They want him to heal. They want him to uh, stand up for what they believe in. So they, they can be like, well, Paul said. They, they, everybody wants something from him. And with all of his hands in all these different pots, it'd be so easy to go please the Pharisees. It'd be so easy to go please the, the Gentiles. It'd be so easy to go please the Romans. Go, go over here, go over there, do all those things. But instead, he says, listen, listen, listen. I'm going to be an equal opportunity person to tick you all off. Because who I am is a bondservant of Jesus Christ. In our moment, in our time right now, coming out of this, well, hopefully coming out of, I've been saying coming out of this pandemic for like 12 months now. <sighs> Coffee here. Uh, it, it's a weird, weird moment. And so many of us are just exhausted about the whole thing. And uh, I know, I know I am. We're exhausted with the masks. We're exhausted with like, we're so mad at masks and it's just a symptom of all the other uncertainty that's going on. Like if I could, you know, we could burn these things. This doesn't matter. Like this is a symbol for all the uncertainty that we have. Cause our politics are called crazy right now. Uh, we, our economies, we don't understand it. Like people are buying pictures online and calling that like, art that they can invest in. People are buying fake money, cryptocurrency, like, oh, it's like ones and zeros and cool stuff. And some of you are like, Jared, let's get on Bitcoin together. It's not what I'm, I'm not trying to sell you on uh, Bitcoin. If you've invested in that, that's your own, your own thing. But the economy is different. Like something like, hey, here's a good, here's money. We buy, we sell, we make money, we lose money, whatever. Everybody understands that. We've now entered into this whole nother world of like, what is going on with something basic that we understand? Church is different. Half of our congregation this morning is online. Hey, everybody, we love you, love you, love you. Got on YouTube. There's like 17 people watching on YouTube. That's fantastic. There's a bunch more watching on Facebook. Awesome. That's weird. Like, you feel it at home. Like, we miss you. We love you. We, We also understand it. Church feels different. Something basic. Like, basic is church. School. Something as basic as school. We send our kids to school and we're like, well, I hope they don't get a letter saying they got exposed to a deadly virus today. What is going on? And so in that uncertainty, things are just jumbled. And so when we are faced with something that we think should be certain, like going to the grocery store is different. Why? I want my samples back, folks. (laughs) <laughs> so somebody was saying I walked past a place in Mariano's yesterday and they had samples but they didn't have any samples they had the product there was no samples out and they just wanted to talk to you about the, sam- the sample they may could, could give you I'm like no I want the cheese anyway I digress that hasn't happened. but anyway proving the point that things are weird right now I went to a pastor's conference two weeks ago and uh, it's really, really well done. Been there before. It's been one of my favorite things, the uh, conferences I've gone to. Um, it's just up, in the, up the road here in Naperville. They do a fantastic job. It's the first big gathering of pastors I've been to since COVID started. That was weird. 
Because like half the people are in masks and they're like, am I supposed to be wearing a mask? I don't know if I'm supposed to. Because some churches are doing masks, some churches aren't, all the stuff. And it was like this weird, hesitant thing. And we're sitting there and all the messages and all the stuff is very rah-rah-y. And like, yeah, you can do it, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't want rah-rah. I want you to tell me how I'm supposed to lead in this moment. Give me functional tools that I can take back to my church and go, A, B, C. Hey, we fixed it. We survived a pandemic. That's what I want and what I desperately need. So could you please help me out with that? So I got home that night. And I'm, I'm miffed. Miffed is the word I'm going to use. You like that one? All right, miffed. I am unsettled. I'm disgruntled. I'm frustrated. And I'm a little ticked off at this conference. And Kelly and I are watching, I don't know what we were watching, NCIS probably. Uh, and uh, and uh, we're sitting there watching, watching TV. And I'm still cranky. I mean, I got the whole body language thing going on. Kelly's probably like, why is he so mad at me? Like, nope, nope. Just, I am miffed. I spent my day needing answers to all these questions, and I got no answers. I got more questions I started out with, and everyone just was telling me what a good job I was doing. I'm not doing a good job because I have no idea what I'm doing. And so I'm sitting there, and I went through that whole thought process, and I went, I don't know what I'm doing. You know what? They don't know what they're doing either because no one has led through a pandemic since the Spanish flu. And life looked a little bit differently then, and no one's really alive. Like maybe a couple hundred three-year-olds or whatever, but they were one, so they didn't know how, they didn't weren't leading at that moment either. And that was almost refreshing, but also disappointing. It's like, oh, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Why does nobody knows? Because, and that was such a a frustrating thing for me. Because if my identity comes from how good of a pastor I am, how, what our growth cycle looks like at the church, what, knowing the answers to things. Because sometimes when you're the pastor, you kind of want to be the answer man to things. Like, oh, I can fix that, I can fix that, I can fix that. It's kind of part of the gig. It's the fun part of the gig. But that's not when I make my identity being the answer man. Now we've got problems. Because guess what about the answers? I don't have them about a pandemic. Right? And so your identity is shaking. It's like being a car mechanic and you take the car to the mechanic and you go, hey, fix my car. I don't know. I don't never seen a f- car with four wheels before. Aren't you a mechanic? Yeah, but uh, I mean, I work on motorcycles. Aren't they kind of the same? Ah, well, I kind of work on bicycles. I fixed a toy once. That's, uh, you know, <laughs> right? And so it's just this weird thing going on in, in life. And for you and for me, maybe we're feeling that same disgruntled um, and, and frustration. And we go, hey, I'm going to church. I sit pretty much in the same spot I sat in two years ago. Why does it feel so different? Because things are different. And for part of us in figuring that out, we have to name that and go, wait a minute, why does that bother me so much? Because I want normalcy in my life. Got it. Because I want my foundations to be the same. I understand that. But when we feel that frustration, when we feel that wobble, when we feel that miffedness, it's a theological word now, When we feel that, we have to ask ourselves a question. Where am I finding my identity? Is my identity in how well I do church? Or is my identity found in Jesus? Because a lot of my life, being a church kid and a pastor's kid, I found my identity in how well I could do church, not how well I was the church. And that is a big mental shift in our hearts and our minds and our souls.
as we deal with all the different things that are changing our lives, we have to look at who our identity is found in and who we are. Your identity is to become as Christ-like as you can with the time you are given. Your identity is to become as Christ-like as you can with the time you are given. We have no idea if we get 20 years, 10 years, 100 years on this earth. But what we can do is become as Christ-like as we possibly can with the time we are given. And that becomes our identity. Just like when Paul says, "Paul, I, Paul, a bondservant of Christ, that I want to be able to say with my identity and who I find myself in, I, Jared, a bondservant of Christ. Yes, I am all these other things, but what I, when you boil it down, I'm a bondservant of Christ. What does that look like for me? Paul has many attributes, but one only one identity. Paul has many attributes. And I'd go back to what I was talking about just a few minutes ago. All these different things that he can have his feet in. He's also a tent maker. So here he is, this highly educated. He studied under Gamaliel, the number one rabbi of his day. So he went to the Yale, the Harvard school, theological school uh, that he could go to. He's that guy. But he's also a blue-collar worker making tents. He's got his hands in all these different pots. He has all these different attributes but only one identity. And for you and for me, I think sometimes we let our attributes become our identity. Maybe we're actually maybe ashamed or frustrated at our core to who we are really. And we don't want anybody to find out that we don't have the answers really. We don't want anyone to to know that this is kind of a fake of a facade. I want you to fool me. I want you to say, I've got all the answers. For some of you this morning, maybe you're like, oh, Jared's saying he doesn't have the answers in the pandemic? This is, I'm believing. Folks, I don't want to lie to you. (laughs) No one has these answers. But what I know I can do is define myself, find myself and define myself with who Jesus is and what he's doing in my life, that I am redeemed, that my past has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. No matter what I've done, whatever, where I've been, all the dumb things I did in my past are wiped away and form who I am now in a redeemed creation in Christ. That Jesus is big enough to say, that's all gone. This is who I have for you now, and I can rest in that and find myself in that. My messes of today, when I shoot my mouth off, make a dumb choice. That Jesus is big enough, grand enough, loving enough to say, you know what? I've got you today as well. And you know what? When you mess up next week, I've got you then as well. That's a different place to live. That's a different place to find yourself in, in the uncertainty of life, is that the certain thing I have is that Christ loves me, cares for me, and is with me, has a hope and a future with me. That's a different place to be than if I'm judging myself on whatever I sold last week or how well uh, I did at school or my grades or my production or how many widgets I sold or created. That... We define ourselves with all these things, with the attributes, with our tent making, with our studies, instead of our identity in Christ. 
And for you and for me this morning, as we navigate through a pandemic, I think we need to take a hard look at ourselves to say, what am I identifying myself as? Well, right now I feel like a failure because the X, Y, and Z. Why? Because I'm judging myself on how many of these things I do or what, this, what the bottom line looks like and all those things. Is that who Jesus defines you as? No. Then how about we step back and look to see how Jesus defines you? Because for Paul, because I can be a tent maker and a smarty. I can be a Pharisee. I can be a Gentile. I can be a Roman. I can be a Jew. But what's important is that I'm a bondservant of Christ. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. Paul says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many po- as possible. To the Jews, I have become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though though I myself was not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under the Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by by all possible means, I might save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. I've become all things to all people so that by all means, all possible means, I might save some. The temptation is that I find my identity over here and I find my identity over here and I find my identity over here and I find my identity over here. That's not what Paul is saying is I am rooted in Christ and I will turn and be as welcoming and speak into this as much as I possibly can. And I will turn and I will speak into this as much as I possibly can. And I will turn and I will speak into this and love into this as much as I possibly can. But I can only make that turn if I know who I am rooted in Christ Jesus. Because if we're not rooted in Christ Jesus, we become a chameleon that goes, oh, I want to fit in over here. Oh, I hope they like me over here. Oh, I want to fit in over here, and I want to fit in over here. We become junior high students, right? Because we see junior high kids, like, all of a sudden, they're dressing different. All of a sudden, they're talking different. All of a sudden, these different things. What they're doing is trying to figure out who they are in their identity. And when they do that, you're like, oh, easy. This is who you are. You can still, I can speak into this, and I can speak into that, and I can speak into this. And you can have different attributes, but don't let those attributes define you, who you are. It's a bondservant of Jesus Christ. We fall victim to this in our own lives. Maybe we fall victim to it when we meet new people, or we try to impress somebody, or we go through life. We let circumstances define who we are instead of Jesus when attributes overpower, overpower identity, we have crisis. When attributes overpower identity, we have crisis. And if you're feeling that internal pull, uncertainty, frustration at the moment, right now, there's good reason for it. Because somebody, I was in a different pastor's meeting, an elder meeting for the state, and one of the pastors said, um, I really like this, that COVID has been the great exfoliator. That's like the pumice stone. Like it removed all the dead stuff and showed you the, 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 what's really underneath. And you're like, oh, I don't like what's underneath. Yeah. Some of us, you know, you're like, you take the, 
you take that off and you're like, oh, that's not what I signed up for. I, I work really hard at hiding all that stuff. But COVID just kind of scraped it all away. And now we're in a little bit of crisis with that. Because when attributes, what you've done, what you've performed, what you've created become your identity, and we're in COVID where we haven't been able to do those things, we start to answer, ask questions of who are we really? And maybe we don't like the answers. So this morning, I want to prompt you, I want to urge you to step into what it looks like to have Christ form our identity. When, when identity in Jesus forms our core, we can have peace. Real peace, shalom peace. We've talked about this all the time. Peace is not just this ah, moment. Shalom peace is always a peace that is fought for. Let me say that again. Shalom peace, God's peace, is always a peace that is fought for. Christ fights for us in that, but we also fight for that. Just saying, oh, I'm going to find my identity in Christ this morning. Sounds good, Jared. Let's check that off the box. That's not how this works. It's a process. It's a battle. It's to be fought for. Philippians 3, 7 through 9, verse 7 says this. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. You can underline your, the word garbage rubbish, stuff. Paul can't find a foul enough, worthless enough word to say in that moment. I consider it all junk, worse than junk. All just refuse. All the other things, if they don't, Identify me with Christ. And with that kind of reckless abandon, that kind of powering away, that kind of understanding, I, I think we can enter in even to this Thanksgiving season of like, what am I truly thankful for? What am I really stepping into? What am I really hoping to gain here? Is I'm thankful for who God is in my life. I'm thankful for what Christ is doing in my world. I'm thankful for the ability to examine myself and say, Lord, how do I become more a follower of you, more like you? How do I parse away the, 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 extra, impious, the extra stuff to become more like you? Because in our lives, in this moment, in this time, we are actually given a huge gift there's been so many things that have been stopped. And as we ramp up again, as we go back, everything starts to go back to kind of normal, but it all feels weird. We have the ability. Did you know that you have the ability right now to say, nah, I'm not going to do that? Did you know that? Sometimes I forget I have that ability. But you also have the ability to say, no, I'm not going to be identified by that. It's so easy for us to find our self-worth in extra stuff. 
And maybe that's for all your different circumstances in the business world, in the education world, in the parenting world, sports world. All that stuff is just extra. They're attributes. They're to be used as tools. If me as a baseball coach becomes the identifier of my self-worth, one, I have some parenting issues going on. Two, I'm never going to coach in the pros. I mean, the Dodgers could call me next week. It's cool. But I'm never going to do those things. That can't be my identity. But that always has to be a tool in which I can reach people. Your jobs are not the identity of who you are. They are a tool in which God has given you to, to speak into the kingdom of God. You are given a platform as a teacher. You're giving a platform as a salesman. You are giving a platform as a, whatever you do in life. That's not who you are. That's not the identity of who you are. Who you are is a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And through that comes a piece of knowing who you are and whose you are. That whatever your past defined you, your past performances, whether that was terrible, your performance review in Jesus Christ's language is, yep, you messed up. I love you. I got it. Let's go and do better. That's your performance review. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to be worried. I'm not going to get fired from being in the kingdom of God. So, I mean, I, I would have been fired. One God, J- Jared, you keep on screwing up. You're out. Our identity is found in that. Our identity is found in the reclamation that, that Jesus does in our lives. As we step into what it looks like to be a bondservant of Christ. In that moment, we can be thankful. In that moment, we can find peace. In that moment, we can find the shalom that is fought for. How do we do it? Examine what your priorities are. This is a thankful week, right? There's usually some moments uh, when you're not throwing food around the kitchen. You can you take a moment and say, hey, what am I thankful for? It's very easy to get in that self-reflection mode this week. Examine what your priorities are. If your priorities are all outward focused on how people are going to perceive you, you know you've caused a problem with your identity. Why does this really matter to me? Well, because Susie might think I'm not as good of a person as I'm trying to portray. I feel the guilt this week of I don't have any Christmas decorations out. Everybody else has got their, their, their turkeys flapping or, or light. yesterday was warm, so everybody put them up. The, the lights are all in the trees and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm Mr. Ho-Hum, Bah Humbug. I don't have any Christmas lights up. The temptation is to what? Go spend a couple hundred dollars at Home Depot so I can keep up with my neighbors on this. Because now I'm a good Christmas person. I'll just embrace my identity as a Scrooge and be okay with this, right? Because that's just silly. That's extemporaneous. That's, that's temptation. That's, that's pressure, now, I'll make fun of Christmas lights, so we all can be like, okay, I don't have to do any real self-reflection. But that's the same kind of thing. We do that with the clothes that we buy. We do that with the job that we have to have. We do that with how we, we put some pressure on, on how our parenting works or how our marriage looks to everybody else, all these things. But what really matters is what's really going on is I'm a bondservant of Christ, and through that, my marriage is affected. Through that, my parenting is affected. Through that, my work is affected. Don't make the attributes the main thing. Examine what your priorities are. Examine where your time goes. Where are you spending all your time? Now, I'm not saying the the amount of time you spend in the Bible has to be the same amount of time you spend at work. That is not what I'm saying. But look at where your time is going. Then you're going to find out where your heart is. 
Examine where your thought life grows, goes. Where are you spending time with your thoughts? Is it always dreaming about Fiji? I understand. We live in Illinois. But is it always on something else? Is it always on someone else? Where's your thought life? If you're investing more in what other people uh, think of you, instead of resting in Jesus and the things that he has given you, we've got a problem. This is a great week to do this hard work. Where is my identity found? How am I stepping into Jesus in this moment, in this time? Because what Paul's getting ready to go through, if you're reading along in these chapters, Paul is going to be arrested. He is on his way to start the, the, the prison march, the death march to Rome. He has opportunity after opportunity. When this whole thing starts in chapter 21, I believe, when he's first arrested, and they say, hey, you're an Egyptian assassin. What he, if he wanted to get out a jail-free card right then, in that moment, before all this started, he could have said, I am not an Egyptian assassin. I am a Roman citizen. And he would be like, oh, free to go, sir. Please don't try to start any more riots this week. And the whole thing would have stopped. But instead, he chooses to kind of, he doesn't lie. But he's like, he, he knows what he's doing. He intentionally picks these fights. He intentionally walks this line. He intentionally keeps on going because he goes, you know what I'm doing? God has told me, even though everybody else in my life says, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. The Holy Spirit has put it on my heart so strongly that this is the road I'm supposed to walk. This is where my identity is found. And I have to walk in that. My prayer for you this week is that we would find where our identity is rooted so much so that it doesn't matter what other distractions we have, whether that's Work, family, hobby, distractions that we have, we know so hard that we are, so deeply that we are rooted in Jesus Christ, that we don't turn to the left or the right, that that is who we are. That we're not defined and pulled by the attributes of our life, but defined by who we are. In this moment, in this time, as we go through the craziness of COVID, as we go through unease of economy or politics, all the stuff that's just interesting right now. As even church and school feel different. I want us to remember that who we are as a student is not our identity. Who we are as a, as a worker is not our identity. Who we are as a church goer is not our identity. Who we are in Christ is our identity. And we are redeemed, we are loved, and we have purpose. Let me pray for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord, I love you, and I'm trying to love you more in all that I do. Lord, in this moment and in this time that we would feel your presence in us. And God, as we get quiet, as we take a step back, as we go through this week, Lord, that we would have the courage to examine ourselves. that we would have the courage to see where maybe we've made idols, where we've fallen victim to identifying ourselves by worthless things. Lord, right now, I want to I step fully into who you have made me be. So that all of my decisions, all of my choices, all of the how I spend my time comes from who you have made me to be, how I, how I parent, how I 
the best husband I can be and the best son I can be, the best pastor I can be, the best coach, all the different things that are in proper alignment if you are the root of who I am. Lord, I know the temptation for people in this room and watching online is to be defined by what they produce, how much they make, or their work ethic, or all these things on the side. Lord, right now, I I want us to lay our hearts at your feet. Lay our hopes and our desires at your throne. That you would reshape us. That you would mold us. That you would captivate us. As we dedicate our lives to being your bondservant, to living for you in every aspect of our lives. Lord, we love you, and we praise your name. Amen. Um, before I dismiss you today, I want to pray for some certain people um, uh, today, um, and I, I hope you would join me in that. So I'm just going to pray for a few prayer requests, and if I miss somebody that's not intentional, it's just I feel led to pray for some people right now, so that's what we're going to do, okay? All right. God, thank you so much uh, for this moment and this time. And Lord, right now, I pray for Larry uh, Zalecki um, as he... Um, deals with the surgery this week and the, um, Lord, we just pray for his body to recover from um, in this moment. Lord, I thank you that Lil's here. Lord, I pray that you would just fill her heart and fill her body with stamina. She tries to love her husband. Lord, we pray for Larry. We, we ask you to um, restore health to his body in this moment. Lord, I pray for Paul Minch as he uh, gets ready for a valve replacement surgery here in a couple weeks. Lord, we miss him so much being here in the room. Lord, I just pray for him and Pray for Kay as she um, worries over her husband and tries to love him as best as she can. But I thank you for Paul and his testimony and who he is and how much he loves you. Lord, we pray for him in this moment. Lord, I pray for Gloria and her continued fight. We pray that you would touch her body and, and give her strength. I pray for Pam as she goes through all these different tests to try to figure out what's going on with her body. Oh, we know you are a God of healing and we, we pray for miracles to happen in this church and in this, these, whoever's watching online. I pray for Tina. She struggles with all the effects of rheumatoid arthritis. Lord, we pray for energy and pain-free sleep.
Lord, I pray for little Levi and little Ray as they... And a little Ellis baby, I can't remember her name. <laughs> but um, Lord, we just, we just pray for these little ones. Three new lives brought into this church. Lord, I pray for their parents as they deal with all the ups and downs and the tiredness and the adventure that being a new parent is. Lord, we thank you for the praises we have of um, the wonderful surgery that Caitlin had this week. Caitlin Fermenti had this week as she uh, got to see her last night walking around with the brace on her leg. Oh my goodness, Lord. We just pray that you would heal that bone quickly in the way it's supposed to be set. Lord, we thank you for the blessings of, and stories of people overcoming sickness. We pray for this church. So we take this next season. We have no idea what that's going to look like, and that's okay, as long as we're rooted in you. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe, and don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.